Hallelujah. Come on, give them another round of applause. That's uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Hallelujah. Well, are you ready for the word this morning? Yeah. Well, let us pray. Father, we're so thankful for your presence. Uh, We're thankful because we are your people. Uh, We're thankful because you've loved us with an everlasting love. We, We welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're already here, but Holy Spirit, we just want to recognize you. You are the teacher. You are the one that guides us into all truth. You are the one that makes the kingdom real to us. So, Holy Spirit, we we just uh, submit ourselves to your ministry today. We ask you, O God, to light our candles and enlighten our darkness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, as I said, the title of today's message is Captivated by Love. Captivated by Love. This is also part of the foundation of our Family Matters series. You know, if you don't have the foundation right, uh, whatever you build on that foundation is liable to topple over. So it's important that we establish the foundations. Amen. And for the last few weeks, we've been talking about some foundations um, to to enable us to be effective in our relationships, whatever the relationships may be, whether you're a parent to your children, whether you're a husband, whether you just have friends, wherever you are in life, these foundations um, will hold you in good stead. You know, all brokenness, all brokenness, every kind of brokenness, that we may currently be experiencing or going through is healed by love. It's healed by love. Every kind of brokenness is healed by love. But a certain kind of love. It's healed by the God kind of love. The God kind of love. You know, in the Greek language, there are four Greek words that are translated love. And it's important that we understand what these words are because the English language is quite limited in its expression. So you say, I love you, and, you know, in your mind, you are thinking about a a certain kind of love, and the person that you're communicating with may be thinking of a different kind of love. And that's why somebody comes over and says, I love you. And and you think he's, you know, or she, in fact, why do we always use he in that context? You think she, you know, is loving you with a God kind of love, but it's a different kind. So you need to know which kind it is. So next time when someone says, uh... I love you, say to them, there are four. Please clarify. Let me educate you. There are four kinds of love. It's okay, I'm not condemning you. Just tell me which one it is. Yeah, now it's the God kind of love that is able to heal all brokenness. Every other kind of love is selfish in varying degrees and self-centered. Um, one word that's translated love is the Greek word storge that speaks about the love, familiar love, love between family members, okay, brothers and sisters. Um, You grew up in the same household and there is a certain kind of love that joins you together. But even storge is not the highest expression of love. In fact, we see in scripture that the Lord didn't hold it as the highest standard. Because in Matthew chapter 12, if you go right down to around verse 49, verse 50, he was speaking to some people and, um, and someone said to him, Oh, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters are waiting outside to see you. And he said, Who are my mother and brother and sisters? These people. He said, Everybody who does the will of my father is my mother, brother, and sisters. Right? So basically, it is possible that you can have a family member uh, whose love for you is not perfect. It's not the highest kind of love. 
Yeah, we know about families where, you know, there's a lot of bickering between siblings. Um, the Bible even says that uh, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Okay, so family love is good, but it is not the highest expression of love. In fact, it, uh, you know, it, it, it only works to the extent that you benefit your family members to a large extent. Okay, so it's not the highest expression of love. There's another kind of love, uh, which is the Greek word phileo. Phileo is the love amongst friends, okay? Um, and and when, you, when you look at this love in detail, you see that a lot of times uh, the people that you hang out with, you hang out with them and you like them because of certain things that they give you, okay? It's based on certain similarities you have with them. I like the way the person looks. I like the way they talk. They get me. Right? So even though there's nothing wrong in, in friendly love of, or love amongst friends, it is still quite self-centered, okay? And that is why after church you have your own clique, you know. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, you have your own clique and, you know, these guys just get me. Well, so you see that it's still about you, isn't it? It's how they benefit me or, or what I like about them or, you know, they're not, so, they're not such hard work. Uh-huh. These are things I've heard you say. <laughs> they're, they're not such hard work. So that is phileo. Uh, good, it's love amongst friends, but it is not the highest expression of love. Uh, it is not the God kind of love. And it is only the God kind of love that can do what? It is only the God kind of love that can heal brokenness. Amen. Uh, and then the, 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 uh, the third kind is, uh, is the Greek word eros. Um, which a lot of times is the kind of love that uh, people are trying to express when they're saying, I love you, you know. Um, eros has its roots in the erotic, so it's, it's sexual in orientation. There is something about you that I want that I think will satisfy me, okay? Um, and it's, it's, it's really in a, in a sexual erotic context, but that is different, very different from the God kind of love. The God kind of love is the highest expression of love, and it is agape. It is agape. Agape stands alone. Agape stands alone. And in order for you to have healthy relationships, agape must be the foundation. Must be the foundation. It is the God kind of love, and agape is self-given. It is the love that God has for us and it is self-given and it seeks the other person's highest good. I said self-given, not self-serving, okay? Agape is self-given and it seeks the other person's highest good. It is not based on the value we are getting from others, but it is based on the high value we have placed on them. Hallelujah. We have placed this high value on them, uh, not because of what they give us. It is self-given and it seeks the other person's highest good. You know, in thinking about this, I was trying to think of the closest natural relationship that mirrors this quality of love. And I was thinking about it and what I came up with is really the love that typically exists, notice I said typically, not always, typically exists between a mother and a newborn child, okay? In my mind, that is the love that mirrors um, agape the closest, the love between a mother and a newborn child. 
A mother places a high value on the child, even though practically the child gives them very little benefit. Okay? It's amazing, you know, uh, one of the things I love doing is dedicating children. And you go visit a mom in, in, you know, in the hospital with the child. And every mom thinks their child is the most beautiful. It's like when they, and they're not trying to deceive themselves. They're just looking through their love eyes, you see. And you stand there and you think, hmm. Not when I was dedicating your kid, by the way. <laughs> but you know, the, the mother looks at that child. And as far as they're concerned, I, not that I said mother, because dads tend to. It's like, really? <laughs> you know, she places such a high value. I am told that breastfeeding is not easy. It's painful. But every day, many times a day, she breastfeeds the child. Yeah? Uh, uh, so in terms of the benefit the child gives, it's very little benefit, but, but it's a very high value because all the child does is really, it seems like they just poop, sleep, and cry, you know. Uh, but, but, but that love is given consistently because of the high value that has been placed on that child by the mother. This is the kind of love the God kind of love that we heal every plane. This is the kind of love that 1 Corinthians 13 says it will never fail. It never fails. The love of God never fails. Now, now when the Bible says the love of God never fails, it does not mean that the love of God always gets what it wants. If you look at the Amplified, it says the love of God, the God kind of love never fades out. It never becomes obsolete. It never comes to an end. It will last forever. It is the power of God that is being exhibited. It says unlike prophecy, prophecy will ultimately be fulfilled and pass away. Tongues will eventually cease. You know when we see Jesus, there will be no need to speak to him in mysterious communication. Are you with me? We can speak clearly. So tongues are going to cease eventually. Knowledge uh, that we have, which is at best incomplete, will be superseded by truth, but the love of God always continues. It will go into eternity forever. Hallelujah. The love of God never fails. And when the love of God is being manifest, it is the power of God in operation. The power of God in operation. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, and I'm going to talk about this later on. But even the love of God needs to be responded to. You know, the Bible says God so agapated the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So even though God walks in love, we need to respond to his love for there to be union and unity. But it's how God loves us. He loves us irrespective of what we do because he has placed a high value on us. And that's the kind of love we're going to explore today because it must be the foundation of our hearts and it is the basis on which um, every relationship can work. Hallelujah. If the foundation of the love a husband has for his wife is agape and the foundation of the love a wife has for the husband is agape, you'll never be in a divorce court. Hallelujah. Amen. If a parent... The foundation of the love of a parent for a child is agape. That child has the greatest chance to succeed in life. Even if they start off rebellious. Hallelujah. Because God draws us with cords of love. It is through the love of God that he draws us. Hallelujah. So that's what we're going to explore this morning. Let us go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We are laying foundations 
Say to your neighbor, foundations. It's very important that we lay foundations. And, and when we're laying foundation, we do the same thing over and over again. Pastor Nita shared on this verse. I'm going to share on this verse uh, because it's an important foundation. Amen. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, verses 7 and 8, it's a popular passage, but we'll just break it down this morning. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. And the word love here is agape. It says, let us agape one another. Agape is self-giving. It seeks the other person's highest good. It says, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for God is love. God is love. I want to draw five thoughts from those two verses. He begins by saying, beloved beloved and it's interesting that word beloved is agapetoi which speaks about those that have been lavishly loved so he says because you have been so lavishly loved he's addressing us as people who ourselves have been the object of God's lavish love hallelujah and I'm going to expand on that in a little bit. But it's inferring that if you are listening to me today, you are already a recipient of God's lavish love. Now the question is, do we see it though? Uh, if you're going to be honest, do you see yourself as somebody that has been lavishly loved? And we need to ex we're going to expand on that in a minute. But it begins... By informing us that we are already recipients of God's lavish love. That's number one thing we can learn from this. I am beloved of the Lord. Everyone say, I am beloved of the Lord. Whether you know it, whether you recognize it, you are beloved of the Lord. That's the first thing. Number two, he says that agape is of God. He says love is of God. This love we are talking about does not have its source in humanity, okay? You are not going to love like this because you feel like or you decide you are going to, okay? You, you know, I've heard it said that love is a decision. This love is not. It's not a decision that you decide that you can, from today I'm going to love. This one is not. Because it says that agape is of God. So he's not asking us to do something that is humanly possible in ourselves. Are you with me? It doesn't come from here. The quality of this love is not from here. He says, agape is of God and everyone, everyone say everyone. Everyone who loves this way is born of God and knows God. So everyone who loves this way is not merely human. These guys are born of God. So only people that are born of God can walk in agape. Doesn't matter how nice somebody is. If they're not born of God, they cannot function in agape. Because agape is of where? It's of God. But it says, if you are born of God. Now, notice what being born of God means. Let's take a pause here and go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Let's put up the amplified version 
of 1 John 3, 9. The Amplified Version puts it this way. It says, no one born or begotten of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin for God's nature abides in him. His principle of life, the divine sperm remains permanently within him and he cannot practice sinning because he is born of God. So he's saying that the person that is born of God has actually gone through a transformation and that transformation is real. Hallelujah. It says God's divine sperm. In other words, you now have God's DNA in you. And because you have God's DNA, you have the capacity to love like God loves. Amen. And that's why he says everybody that walks in love has got to be born of God. So number three, to love this way, it is not merely human. You have to be born of God. Then number four, to love this way, not only must you be born of God, you've got to what? Know God. Because it says everyone that loves like this is born of God and also knows God. Also knows God. I like the word know because it's the Greek word ginosko. Ginosko means to know somebody as they truly are. It means to be personally acquainted. It's a relationship where there is trust and fellowship. You know, a lot of times... Personalities, you know, world-renowned personalities write books. You know, before, you know, Obama became uh, president of the U.S., he wrote a book. Can you remember the title of the book, by the way? The Audacity of Hope. Okay. And Dreams of My Father. Yes. Okay. So he wrote several books. Now, can you imagine reading that book? And in the books, he has the, his, his life history, you know, about his, his dad that was from, you know, originally from Kenya and, you know, where he was born, you know, uh, where he was born in Honolulu and... Um, you know, and all this wonderful stuff. Now, now, you can read that book and say, you know what, I know Obama. But you know of him, you don't know him. Because to know somebody, it means you have a personal relationship. Okay, you can't know Obama like his wife does. Alright? It, it speaks about a, a knowledge that creates a relationship. Now, the Bible is saying that the person that is going to walk in love, the love of God, must be born of God and must know God. Hallelujah. They must know God. They must know God. To be able to love your wife, your husband, your child, your neighbor in the way that God intended, you have to be born of God and know him. In other words, the more we know him, the more we can truly love. I'll say that again. The more we what? Know him, the more we can truly love. This is the foundation. The more we know him, the more we can truly love. The more we know him, the more we can truly love. Because love is self-given and it seeks the other person's highest good. Number five, it says, he that does not love does not no God. Notice, he didn't say he that does not love is not born of God. You notice that. He said he that does not love does not know God. In other words, it is possible to be born of God and not know him. It is possible to have the divine DNA 
And because you don't know him, you can't express his nature of love. Your being born again gives you the capacity and the access to know him. But it is through knowing him, developing a real deep and intimate relationship with him, that we will begin to love him and also begin to express the quality of his love. The quality of his love. And he says, he goes as far as saying that you can't know him and not love because God is love. There's no way you will interact with God and not bear the same attributes that your lover bears because he is love. He doesn't just have love. Everything he is, is love. Hallelujah. And it's through that fellowship. It's through that intimacy. It is through that uh, koinonia, as it were, that en empowers us with the ability or the power to express love like he loves. Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. And everyone that loves uh, is born of God and knows. And he that does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now let us um, delve into this a little bit more. You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, that's the love chapter. It talks about being, love, being patient and kind uh, and all these wonderful attributes. But from what we've learned already, it's saying that the more we love God, the more we know God, the more we become intimately relationship with Him, uh, intimately related with Him, the more the kinder we'll become, the more patient we'll become, the more um, you know we will not be vainglorious, we'll not be boastful. In fact, you'll be a better person the more you know God, and everyone will be able to testify. Yeah, all those divine attributes that we 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 love are the result of intimacy with Him. Is that not correct? Now, now let us let us expand this look at verse 9 of first john 4 let's go straight down to that first john 4 verse 9 it says in this the love of god was manifested to us that god sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him in this is love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins you know um we can't truly love until we have been loved. A lot of times, people ask the question, when you talk about love and you talk about um, love being self-given, they say, well, if I am giving of myself and loving people, what about me? I mean, what about me? When am I going to be loved? Now, now, this passage answers that question because it's a valid question because you can't truly love unless you've been loved yourself, okay? But this passage gives us the answer to that question by saying that we have been loved already because God loved us first. It says, in this is love. This is a manifestation of love. That we did not love God first. He loved us first and sent his son to die for us. And that's why John earlier calls us the beloved. He says we have been loved. John, uh, Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we are already recipients of God's lavish love. And as we begin to see ourselves through the love eyes of the Father, our own brokenness will be healed. And as we are established in his love for us, then we can fulfill the next verse that says, If God has so loved us, we ought to love one another. Our ability to love somebody else 
is based on our heart being established in the truth that we have been loved. You cannot love if there is a love deficiency in your heart. But the Bible begins by telling us that we have been loved by God. God has lavishly expressed his love in our direction. We didn't love him first. He loved us first. Look at verse 16 of the same chapter. Let's get into some stuff here. Verse 16 says, it says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Notice it says we have known and believed. Everyone say known and believed. We have known and believed. So we have been established in the fact that God loves us. The love of God for us is established in our hearts. We believe in that love. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is so are we in the world. Verse 18 says there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So in order to be able to express love. We must be established in the knowledge of God's love for us. We must know and believe in the love. He says when we are established in God's love for us, then that love will cast out all fear. The risk of loving others is removed from your heart because your life has been healed because you are established in the fact that God loves you. You know, there are some people... You know, well, not just some people, most of us do this. Sometimes we close the door of love in our lives because we are afraid. We don't want to allow ourselves, maybe a guy or a girl, you know, you're dating. And maybe because of challenges you've had in the past, you don't really want to allow yourself to love. Because, you know, loving others is a risk. There's a risk of getting hurt, isn't there? Now, now, the Bible says that when our hearts are established in the love of God for us, it drives out fear. It drives out fear. Now, it doesn't mean that you will not be hurt by others. But when your heart is established in the love of the Heavenly Father for you, the risk of loving others is reduced because, you know, whatever happens, you are loved by the Father. Are you with me? In fact, we, be, we, we are able to better forgive others because we don't need perfection around us. Because we are already established in the truth that we are already loved. One of the reasons why there is fear is because there is a natural fear of rejection. A fear of rejection causes our identity to be, to be damaged. Our sense of our, our, our worth. Because every time you go through any kind of breakup, whatever it is, what kind of whatever relationship breakup it is, it affects your sense of identity. It, it, uh, it causes you to question whether you are lovable. Now, we don't always like to admit to that. But on the inside, it, it, it's like, you know what? Maybe there's something about me that is not lovable. Are you with me? But the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. 
Perfect love begins with our hearts being established in the love of the Father for us. That is where we must begin. That is where we must begin. Hallelujah. So our hearts being established in God's love for us. Now, how do we establish our hearts in the love of God for us? You know, whatever you allow to fill your thoughts is what you become established in. Whatever you allow to fill your thoughts is what you become established in. And therefore, in order to be established in God's love for us, we must begin to fill our thoughts with the fact that God loves us. Hallelujah. It might sound simple, but that's, but that's where it begins. Yeah. First John 4, 9 to 10 has got to become personal to you. It's got to become personal to you. In this, the love of God was demonstrated toward me. Instead of towards us, you start saying, God has demonstrated his love toward me. That God sent his only son. If I was the only person on planet earth, he would have done exactly the same thing. God sent his only son to come and die for me. And this is love, not that I loved him, but he loved me and sent his son to satisfy his anger toward me. The anger of sin, the, the requirements of divine justice could only be satisfied by the sinless son of God. And because he loved me so much. He sent his son to die for me. I am beloved of God. I am beloved of God. You need to wake up in the morning. Saying I am beloved of God. I am the object of God's love. Hallelujah. Because we must know and believe in God's love for us. Before we can love others. The way God loves us. We must know and believe in his love for us. Let us examine a few verses that speak in this line. In 1 John Chapter 3, verse 1. Put up the Amplified Version real quick. The Amplified Version, please. First John 3, 1 says, See what an incredible quality of love the Father has shown, bestowed on us, that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. Praise God. It says, see what incredible quality of, God, of love that he has bestowed on us. Wow. An incredible quality of love. Incredible. I'm incredibly loved by God. A, a woman or a man whose heart is established in the truth that they are incredibly loved by God is not going to settle for just any offer. Hallelujah. Be, because that heart of yours will be healed by the truth. Of love. The love of God in your direction will heal your heart. Amen. So what you demand for yourself is something of a higher quality. You're not going to move in with some guy because he says, you know, well, let's just uh, hang out together. Let's live together for a few months just to be sure that we are compatible. You will not start. You will not settle. In fact, true parental love is meant to be a demonstration of the quality of love the father has for his children. He, he's, he uses parents to be the first um, experience you'll have of true love by the father. Hallelujah. But even, even though our parents are not perfect, we can look to the heavenly father. And, and through meditating in his word, establish our hearts in his love for us. That is where it must begin. Look at a few other verses that talk along these lines. Like I said, we're dealing with foundations this morning. Look at the book of John chapter 17. Look at John 17. You see, in order for you to be able to love a man or love a woman or love a neighbor or love a child, the foundation of that love must be agape. Where you are not looking for this person to validate you. Where you're not looking for what you can get from this person. But before you can be in a relationship as a healthy person 
where you are focused on giving of yourself to serve somebody else, you have got to be the recipient of lavish love. Your heart must be established in lavish love. Otherwise, you will not have anything to give anybody. Are you with me? You will not have anything to give. It will be about 50-50. You know, I gave you today. What have you given me? You know, that's, that's, it will be negotiation all the way. But God says, you don't have to do that with me because I will love you first. I have loved you first. I have lavished my love on you first. My love on you is non-negotiable. See what I have done. Before you ever loved me, I lavished love on you. And I have given you the privilege of being called my son, of being called my daughter. The, you are the very apple of my eye. The hairs on your head are numbered. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Before you came, I knew you. I pre-planned a destiny for you because I love you. Why do I place such a high value on you? Because I love you. I made you so I place a high value on you. Hallelujah. Our hearts must be established in that first. Otherwise, our relationship with others will always be broken. In John 17 verse 20, what's happening here? This is just before Jesus is betrayed. He begins to pray to the Father. And the Lord lets us into his prayer life. He's talking to God and he's praying. Listen to what Jesus is praying. This is an incredible prayer. An incredible prayer. In verse 20, New King James Version, Jesus is praying and he says, I do not pray for these alone, that is his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Can you find yourself there? Jesus is praying. This is red letter. He's talking to the Father. And we're being given the privilege of hearing his prayer. He says, I'm not just praying for these guys. I'm praying for every single person who is going to believe on me through their word. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me. And I in you. That they may also be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And the world may know that you have sent me. And that you have loved them as you have loved me. He's praying and saying, God, I give them your glory. That you have loved them. Father, that you have, that the world may know that you have loved them as you have loved me. The New Living Translation says that you have loved them as much as you have loved me. The Message Bible says that you have loved them in the same way that you have loved me. You know, if we establish our hearts in the truth that the Father loves you as much as it loves Jesus, how do you think it would affect your life? That understanding that you are loved by God in the same way. The Father loves you in the same way. In the same way that he loves Jesus. In the same way. Let's keep reading. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you, you have loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. Verse 26 says, And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. It says, I have declared your name to them and I will continue to declare it in order that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Look at that, um, look at that verse from the Amplified. I want you to look at the Amplified version of verse 26. This is important. It says, I have made your name known to them and revealed your character, 
your very self to them. When he says your name, name is a Greek word or normal, which represents character. So he's not just saying, I've told them your name. I have revealed your character to them, okay? And look at this. And I will continue to make you known in order that the love with which you have bestowed upon me may be in them. Meaning, I am going to keep telling them how much you love them. Your character, your father nature, the fact that you love them with an everlasting love. I will continue to tell them that you love them so that your love for them will be established in them. People, if Jesus had to tell his disciples over and over again that the Father loved them in order for love to be established in them, how much more should we be speaking to ourselves concerning how much God loves us? The love of God will not be established in us unless we continually remind ourselves of how much we are loved by the Father. Hallelujah. The establishment of the love of God in you is vital for you to be able to love anybody else. We must be established in the love of God for us. We must be convinced. We must be fully persuaded concerning the love of God for us. Otherwise, we will always be deficient on our inside. You know, in Psalm 45 verse 1, it says that my heart overflows with a good theme. I address my psalm to a king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You know that verse. It says, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Your tongue is the way you used to write the truth of God's word on your heart. Hallelujah. And you and I as Christians, you and I as believers need to consciously write the truth of God's word on our hearts. Otherwise, our hearts will not overflow with a good thing. Hallelujah. You, you know this song? I had the worship team sing this song last week. Um, you are the lion and the lamb. You know that song? You know. And you know, I love that song so much. I learned it um, like a few months ago. And I said, guys, sing the song. And you know, all week I've been singing you are the lion and the lamb. In fact, I wake up in the morning and in my heart, before I even get conscious of what I'm doing, on the inside, the words... I didn't know that was actually possible. On the inside, the words of that song keep coming out of my heart. And there are times when I'm even trying to meditate on the word. And the words of that song are rolling through my heart. And last night I was like, you know, I need to stop. Because it's like I'm meditating on something and the song continues. And when I focus on the song, I get back to where... I don't get back to where I was. I, I catch up with... And I was like, how does this actually work? Because I've not experienced that. Why? I have been meditating on something. So my heart is overflowing with a theme. My heart is overflowing with a theme. When you meditate on the word, you can write a word in your heart to the extent that when they wake up in the morning, it doesn't matter what's happening, your heart is overflowing with a theme. Jesus in John 17 says, Father, I have declared your character to your children. I will continue to declare it in order that they will be established in your love. Hallelujah. You and I have got to write the truth of God's word on our heart. That God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. We don't believe that yet. We don't know that yet. We might know it intelligently. We might know it in our minds. There might be a mental assent. But believe me, if you write that truth on your heart, you will not be the same. You will not be the same. It will fill your life with courage. There will be a centeredness about your life. Because you are walking around understanding that wherever you are, though you may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil because the Father loves you as much as he loves the Son. You must establish your heart in that truth. Jesus said, 
I have made your truth known to them. I have declared it. And I will continue to declare it. Let's look at something else. Oh, praise God. Look at John 15. Because of time, we're going to go straight to the Message Bible translation. Look at John 15, verse 9. Let's put the Message Bible up, please. John 15, verse 9. Look at this. Now, Jesus is speaking here. This is truth. And if you are reading this and thinking, not sure, it is because you haven't established in your heart. And we need to establish it. This is the foundation. Now, look at what Jesus said. He said, I have loved you the way my father has loved you. Jesus said, I have loved you in the same way. Notice in John 7, he said, the father loves you like he loves me. Now, I have loved you the same way the father loves me. So now, we now have two divine persons who are one, loving us the same way. Praise God. <laughs> oh, praise God. He says, I have loved you the same way my father has loved. Make yourselves at home in my love. Make yourselves at home. So it is not just about him loving me. It's about me making myself at home in it. Which means I need to establish myself in that truth. I need to write that truth. My heart must be at home with the understanding that I am loved by the Father and the Son. Exactly the same way. And the same way they love me is the way they love each other. It's the same way they love each other. They don't just love me, but they love us. They love me the same way they love each other. So if I was in the throne of God and the angels were looking at the way love was flowing, I would say, okay, he loves him the same. Who do they, does he love more? You know, no, they, they love them the same way they love each other. Jesus said, I have loved you the same way the Father has loved me. Make yourself at home. Build your residence in that truth. Build your residence. Live there permanently in that truth. Don't allow yourself to move from this place. No, this is my home. This is my home. Look at the next verse. Verse 10. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That is what I have done. I have kept my father's commands and made myself at home in his love. So Jesus said, not only do I know my father loves me, I have made myself at home in my father's love. Just I am saying you should make yourself at home in my love. So he's telling us to do exactly what Jesus has done. Jesus at some point in eternity, has made himself at home in the Father's love. So in his earthly ministry, he operated from that established place. And it didn't just happen, he made himself at home in it. Hallelujah. He said, this is what I have done. I've made myself at home in my Father's love. You make yourself at home in my love. And it is from the place of an established heart in the love of God that the commands of God proceed. Hallelujah. That's where the commands of God proceed. When your hearts are established in the truth that God loves you, then you will see every command of God through the eyes of his love. He's telling me to do this because he loves me. Hallelujah. Then husbands loving your wives as Christ loved the church and wives submitting your own husbands as unto the Lord will no longer become a contentious issue. The reason why it is a contentious issue it's because our hearts are not established in the truth that we are loved by the Father and His commands are coming out of lavish love for us. So we are obeying it because, well, I'm a Christian, I have to do what the Bible says. No, His commandments are not grievous because His commandments proceed out of love. Hallelujah. Jesus said, this is what I have done. This is what I have done. I have 
established myself. I have made my home in the Father's love. And therefore, I obey his commandments because my heart is established in the truth that he loves me. He'll never leave. He'll never forsake me. I may not understand what is going on, but one thing I know is that he loves me. This is where I live. This is my permanent residence. I don't shift from here. He has demonstrated it. It, is, it has marked my consciousness to the extent that when he gives me a command, I will obey it without question, without understanding what is going on because my heart is established in his love. Look at what happened in the garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew 26, got a couple more minutes. Verse 38. He's in this garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, 38. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here with me and watch with me. The anchors that you would have thought he had, his close friends, his close protégés, who had worked with him for three and a half years, they all deserted him. They all fell asleep. He was alone. They were not watchful. He went a little farther and he fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me in one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit didn't is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. This was tough. This was difficult for the Lord to do. Because we know the difficulty was not just the physical pain. But the fact that at some point in this Gethsemane experience, he was going to be separated from the Father. But the key thing here was the Father had given him a command. And even though every atom of his body revolted against that command in the flesh, he said, Father, not my will but yours be done obedience came from the security of his father's love. A heart that is established in the love of, of the father and the son will go through pain even when you don't understand what's going on. Hallelujah. You might not understand what's going on. You might not understand why that is happening. But one thing you know is that I am loved by the Father. And if I am loved by the Father and I continue to walk by faith, I am destined to triumph in all things. I may not control what she does. I may not control what he does. I may not control the outcome. But one thing I know is that my father loves me. And if my father loves me and I continue to walk by faith in his love, I am going to come out on top. Because I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. Hallelujah. That is the place from which we must begin. That is the place from which everything proceeds. And if you look at John 15 verse 11, look at that real quick and then we'll close. Can you imagine if our hearts are established in this kind of truths, how would our lives be? Hallelujah. In John 15 11, look at the message Bible. Jesus said, I have told you these things about the love of God, about what I have done, about how I love you. I have told you these things for a purpose that my joy might be your joy and that your joy may be fully mature look at the next verse this is my command love one another as i have loved you verse 13 this is the very best way to love put your lives on the line for your friends before i can put my life on the line for anyone before i can love uh anyone like i love myself my heart must be established in the love of god and jesus says that when your heart is established in his love for you joy will come out of your heart hallelujah Joy. I mean, joy. 
There is no way joy will come out of your heart. Amen. And therefore, you'll be relating with people from that place of strength and joy. You see, all kinds of things happen. And one of the things we will go through later on is that in marriage, a lot of us are broken in different ways. Your level of brokenness may be different from my own. All right? And when we all come together, yeah, you're breaking your brokenness. I am breaking my brokenness. Okay? And unless there is an established heart of love, yeah? Your, your security is, unless your security is in the love of the Father for you, you are going to be acting out from that place of brokenness. You will not have anything to give in, yeah? Um, and, and that is why, uh, and this is not just in terms of marriage, even in terms of relationships. You'll come to a church like this, and, you know, our brokenness will come out on different levels, all right? Stop looking at the neighbor thinking that this message is for them, all right? But the way we can grow in love is as our hearts are established in the love of the Father for each. And then we can serve one another in love. And we can grow together in love. Hallelujah. So our hearts must be captivated by the love of the Father and the love of the Son for us. Nothing can separate us from it. Nothing. And that is what our hearts must be established in. Do you get something from the Word this morning? Let's bless Jesus. Hallelujah.